And once we get that right, which is for me the most important thing, that they have, first of all, respect. The second one is commitment. The third one, passion. Those three ingredients are non-negotiable. Hello and welcome into the Non-Negotiables podcast. I'm Gavin and I'm here today with Justin. How are you doing, Jazz? Hey, hey. And uh, Pascal, how are you doing, mate? What's up, Gav? Good, good. Um, all right, so we've got some actual football to talk about, kind of. Um, the warm-up for the warm-ups, 1-1 draw. Don't really care about the result. Not even that bothered about the about the performance, really. Um, but Jazz, it was nice to uh, actually see some football being played. Uh, it was, yeah. I didn't, um, I didn't actually uh, watch the game, unfortunately. Um, but I've seen several different highlights. Uh, yeah, great to see the guys. I'm, I'm glad some kids were involved. Um, I guess my only big concern was that uh, little Odegaard injury scare at the beginning. Yeah, and we've got a couple of them because Tommy Asu was held back as well. Um, hopefully, it's just a precaution. Um, I mean, it was yeah. good to see. It was definitely good to see Saliba out there, and yeah. he was he was moving like he was all right. Uh, pass. I mean, we you, you know it's a bit early to be worried about anything like that. And and Odegaard was apparently just he felt his calf in the warm up, so they decided to hold him out. Um, I, I suppose we'll know more later in the week, right when they land in the US. Yeah, I, I, I suppose so. Um... I I think it's um it's all precautionary stuff. It's just the early stages of getting back into fitness, isn't it? So there might be a little bit of um stiff muscles and uh all that. Um but it was quite funny because you said uh it's nice to see that, you know, it's nice to um see football's back, but I didn't even see it like Justin. So it's kind <laughs> of a bit, a bit a bit ironic. But um but no, it it is good to to at least get back into uh talking about football and about Arsenal's uh, playing as well. Um, but I think, I think we're just, it's all precautionary. I think it's just all rotation and, and uh, using as much as the youth players and seeing what, what, how everything is, uh, you know, how the squad is together. Um, but we'll see more, I think over the coming weeks. It's, Important to remember that, like I said, this is a warm up for the warm ups, right? Like this, this game really yeah. didn't matter. It was literally seeing people jog about. But there were mm. a couple of interesting bits. I mean, Havert started on the bench and, and came on uh, at half time. And it was interesting that he went straight into that left eight role, just where we kind of thought he would be. And I know Mikel said afterwards, oh, we'll have to see where he develops. I don't buy that at all. I don't think Mikel buys anybody without knowing exactly where they're where they're going to play. Don't you agree? Yeah, it seems like that's going to be his position, and um, it does. I mean, it just it's flat out makes the most sense. I think at this point, um, it looks like we're kind of disregarding his his previous experience at Chelsea and just buying like the 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 Bayer Leverkusen player. Um, and uh, I, I mean, I mean, I think he could be very successful there. He just needs a sturdy base, uh, you, you know, at the bottom of midfield, which I'm sure we'll talk about. For sure, we will. Uh, we'll talk about that in the second half. I think you all know what that is. Um, but past that left eight role, it's going to change from the way Xhaka played it for sure. 
But also our players are going to need some time to adapt to Havertz. There were a few little flicks that didn't quite come off because no one read them, no one knew what was going on. This is usual teething stuff. And it's good that we got it done so early, right? Because now we've had this Nuremberg game, we've got three games in the US and then the Charity Shield. So there's plenty of time for Havertz to start working with everybody and for, for everybody to start learning the way he plays. And this is why I think, um, you know, it it becomes cliche because we use it every season, but about getting your transfers in early. But I think this is kind of an example of why you do that. Um, Because the preseason period, it is all about the teammates understanding each other, knowing each other, the the implementation of how Arteta will, um, his his system, but also how he's going to fit in the new signings and, so you know the, all, this whole part is is extremely important to lead up to the season. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's all it's all going to be. I, I think it will all unravel over the next coming weeks as to to the um, how how it's all going to fit together. But I, th- I, I, the connection will come. I think it's just inevitable, isn't it? They haven't played with each other. He's also come from. Um, you know, uh, uh, totally. Um, I, I think he's he's come from really a demoralising season with Chelsea um, and a totally a, a, a club that's in disarray, a squad that's in disarray. There was uh, changing of managers, so I think you know he's he's now going to have to find himself to adapt to the way that we play. But I think he it will it will, it will come on quickly. Well, he said himself that it's going to take a long time. Um, or well, not a long time actually. I shouldn't say that. He said it's going to take a little while for him to get used to the way we play and get used to the players around us. So he knows what to expect. And Jazz, it's a very, very different style that he's coming into. Did you take his comments to basically say I need to unlearn all the shit I was taught at Chelsea and try and reprogram myself? <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, at face value, I did. You know, and I and I had a good laugh about it. But I do think he's right. Um, you know, it is going to take him a little time. Uh, I think he, you know, I mean, I watched a lot of Chelsea games while he was there. And I don't think he played that role very often at all for them. I saw him a lot more uh, in the number nine or false nine, whatever you want to call it on the wing. Um, So I do think he's going to have a little bit of an adaption period, but I feel actually really good about this transfer, even though I was questioning it in the beginning. And uh, I just hope, you know, with, with uh you you know the squad around him and 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 you know Mikel purposefully seeking him out that uh this is this is going to be good for him and this is the difference between the Havertz transfer and the Pepe one right because Pepe came into a side that was kind of in a bit of a mess that didn't really know what it was Emery it wasn't Emery's choice for a start but Emery yeah. was changing our way of playing to a way that I don't think any of us could really understand. What Havertz is coming into is a team with a clear plan, uh, a defined way of playing, a system that's going to be built around to put him in the right positions. Paz, if he's going to succeed anywhere, it's going to be here. Yeah, he's 24 now. So you've got to think this is the move that he feels is going to resurrect his career. Um, Because... Like you said, he's coming. That you couldn't, you couldn't really. The, the the difference between what he's coming from to what he's coming into, you couldn't really. It's so stark. I mean, you're coming from a team which yep. finished twelfth or whatever it was, um, 
they they're in they're in like I mentioned disarray. They've had three different managers um, in one season, and two of them were Frank Lampard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So he's um, he's he's just you know, and now he's coming into one where he's you know where there's cohesion, where there's a plan, where there's there's absolute ambition. Um, there, there's um, a want for him to be there as well from the manager. I think uh, that there's something that Arteta and I think Justin's touched on it as well. Is Arteta, the way he brings across his project to players, he makes them feel wanted. So I think he's coming in. This is the opportunity now for him to be part of something which looks very special and is special. Um, so yeah, I, 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 I think, I, I think also what what I'm noticing with the players that we're buying as well, it's not just what they can do for the system, but they're also they're all really likable guys. I think even as an ex Chelsea player, and we never really want to have ex Chelsea players in our team, but when you when you see him, when you see the way he comes across. Same for the other signings. They all seem to fit a certain type of personality, which is going to really be part of a team ethic. So, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm like Justin. I, I initially was a little bit sceptical about it, but I see now that this this could be a really, really good transfer. They all have Paz, arts all, too, really. Well, they're all high-character guys, Paz, right? Mm. Like, like a lot of them were captains at their former club, like obviously Rice was. Timbers captained Ajax. Havertz actually captained Leverkusen, I believe, when he was mm. when he was there. So they're all high character guys. Yeah, they are, and um, they they they've also got an ambition to them. They they've got a desire. They've got um they they they're not. Yes, the money is obviously important, but they're also reading very well into what we are trying to achieve here and what the what the project is. Um, and um, these these are guys that are coming in with a mentality. I feel that they want to win. That's what it is. They want to win, and they want to get us to that that place of actually winning something of of substantial. Um, you know, getting some form of substantial success that's tangible. I I I really like the profile of the players that he's bringing in and the attitude. So and that and that sorry just brings back to your point about Pepe. Not saying that he wasn't, but you could see it just looked disjointed. It didn't seem to make sense at all in terms of what what is it that we were looking at? What was the project behind it? It 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 kind of was a might a very smaller version of what Chelsea did last season, just buying a load of players um, and trying to hope it sticks. This is not that. And that, that just brings us back to the point again with, with Arteta, right? That Pepe signing famously was not what Emery wanted. He wanted Zaha. Um, I mean, I guess Zaha couldn't have been any worse. I, I think either, either signing was going to be a bad one for us, whether we went with Pepe or Zaha. But, but it was so... It was disjointed thinking as much as anything else between the board and the manager. Yeah, I think so. Um, and, you know, Emery famously didn't get a lot of his signings. I think he wanted, you know, Nzanzi, uh, Zaha. You know, I, we all know the list. We, we've seen Man, it. We could have finished seventh if we'd have got all them. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, um, I think uh, what Arteta has done has... Uh, proven his his um, ability. I mean, this sounds weird to say, considering the pedigree Emery has as manager, but Arteta's done it at Arsenal already. 
um, proven the pedigree and type of player, his talent ID, his, I mean, I don't know what he says to these players, but it, it, it has to be incredible because every single time we sign a new player, the player is like, well, I had one conversation with Mikel and I was like, yes, I want to be part of that product project. Excuse me. So, I mean, what he says has just got to be honey, you know, he's, he's a big club manager. Just, I think he's he's what it comes down to. Emery is not a big club manager. Emery is a very very good manager for a certain profile of club. Arteta operates in a different sphere. I think that is that is literally what we're seeing. There's no disrespect to Emery at all. It does everyone seem that way. Got, yeah, everyone has got a niche, right? And and Emery's speciality is mid mid table clubs taking them to heights that they probably can't even dream of. Arteta is a big club manager. Yeah, I mean, I think so. And again, yeah, no disrespect to Emery or anything like that. But I think what Arteta is doing here is like building something that Emery could have never, ever achieved. And again, you know, no, I can't say it enough because I respect Emery a lot as a manager. But uh, I mean, it's just been kind of the 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 perfect storm for Arteta to come in at his as his first time job and just, you know, do what he's done. It, it has just been incredible, really. Uh, and also touching on, on what, what you're saying there is, and you mentioned it, is, you know, how much was Emery allowed to build his team as well? I, yeah. You know, I didn't, I don't remember, like you just mentioned about the signings we've had, they all mentioned the conversation with Arteta. Did Pepe mention his his, his inspirational conversation with, with Emery? Did David Luis mention it? Um, oh no, David was that. Yeah, David Luis was 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 us as well, was was with Emery, right? Um, you know, or, or any of the others. I can't remember them saying it was the manager that sold me. It was the conversation. It seems that there was a lot behind the scenes that was maybe not so much Emery's participation in. But in this case, I see Edu and Arteta working very very close together, and that's a big difference. I feel. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, big difference. Well, this is it, Pass. Doesn't this remind you a bit of the Bruce Rioch era in, you know, between yeah. Graham and, and Wenger, where yeah. we decided Very to go similar. to that sporting director model, mm. and it wasn't the, it wasn't Rioch that signed the players; it was Dean, and Dean went out and got Bergkamp, and he, he went yeah. out and got David Platt. And that's a very Rioch good analogy. Really nothing to do with it, you know. And I feel like that's where we tried to go when we got Mislin Tat in and Roll. That was kind of where we tried to go. And when we started with Arteta, remember, it was that first summer. Arteta had only been there five months when he got the promotion from coach to manager when yep. Sanyehi got the boot and Edu got promoted. And all of a sudden, you're back to kind of a more Wenger-Dean dynamic than a Rioch and the Bull dynamic. And, and I think I just think Emery always was always that Emery and the Bull dynamic. He was just expected to get on with what he had. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And I think if you look at um, Emery's situation now, he's taking over from Gerard. I mean, you can't get worse than Gerard, can you? It, not to I mean, say maybe that, Lampard. Uh, <laughs> true. This is true. This is very true. Um, funny, isn't it? Because we used to have the debate about them for the midfield of England, and now it's the debate over who is the crappiest manager England <laughs> out of the two. But um, no, I think. Um, I, I, you know, in, in terms of if you compare it to Emery taking over from Wenger, yes, Wenger was not in a, Arsenal were not in a great place when Wenger left. 
but they weren't in an abysmal place. They weren't Steven Gerrard left Villa kind of situation. And, and obviously there was a legacy there. So it was always going to be a tough ask for him to get it. And we've had this conversation about whether Arteta would have been, would he have got to the heights he's at now? I mean, it's very debatable, isn't it? Whether he would have. So I think things have aligned well for him, but at the same time to give him 100% credit in how he has dealt with it and how they have really built um, a vision for the club. It's, uh, it's second to none, really. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. Well, back to the game and the other, the other things that were, that were interesting during the game. And like I said, the performance and the result, I really don't care about very much. It was just running around, but we did get to see some little positional stuff that I thought was interesting. Um, Firstly, and I don't know that there was much of a choice on this, but when Erdogan had to pull out in the warm-up, it was it, the warm-up. It was Vieira that came straight into that position. I, I don't mean there was another option there because we really didn't have anyone else we could put in there. But once we took Saka off, it was Vieira that went out wide right, which I thought was interesting. Just we spoke a couple of weeks ago about the possibility. I still think that that would, if Vieira is to find a settled position with us, I do think that is it. I think that is his best position. Um, did you find it interesting that he was the first one to go out there and give it a go once Saka went off? I actually do. Yeah. Um, I think that's really interesting. Um, you know, we heard when we signed him that, you know, he was capable of playing like, you know, the 10 or the most advanced midfielder, I guess I should say nowadays. And uh, right wing, um, I think if he's going to find uh, a consistent home here, it's probably going to be on that right wing or, you know, just, you know, the the, the garbage minutes at the end of games in, in, uh, in place of Odegaard, Smith-Rowe, Havertz. Um, but yeah, I think, I think um, he would benefit a lot from you know, tailoring his game more to that right wing. Um, and I, I, I think it's a solid position for him. I mean, we can create, I mean, you know, he's shown to have a great cross, a great pass. Um, he's not going to be as congested as he would be in central midfield out there. Um, if he can just be, you know, the fullback, he's going to have an, uh, you know, kind of an open plane to make a play. So I think that's a really good position for him, and I would actually be okay with him being the the primary right wing sub, honestly. And it brings us something totally different to Saka as well. Yeah, Paz. I mean, he's got to try and find his feet somewhere. I mean, I don't think any of us think he's going to be playing serious minutes this season. Really, I mean, he's going to be coming on for for the end of games. He's going to be filling in the cup games and. If someone's getting injured, he has to come in. And I do think when you look around the squad, I think Nelson's better suited to that left-hand side. I don't yeah. really see Smith Rowe out on that right-hand side. We've spoken about Havertz, but if Havertz is first choice as a left eight, if something happens to Saka, you're not going to want to disrupt two positions, right? So it, it, it would be quite handy for us if he could turn into a player that's capable of playing some minutes out there. Uh, hopefully. Uh, I, I really hope so. Um he 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 seems a little bit too, um, and we've already said this about his physique and his uh, demeanor. Is 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 uh, he's not the strongest on the ball, and I guess that eight position just does not work for him because um, you need a certain robustness to you and strength when you're dealing in the middle of the park like that. Um, so yeah, the right hand side does seem to be more the the probably the better position for him. 
Um, and as Justin mentioned, I think also just to provide maybe a little, a different dynamic perhaps to it on the right, because he's not going to be bursting down the wing, is it? He's going to be more, you know, he's he's known for his um, his delivery, uh, free kicks. Um, so maybe more kind of not equating to that, but kind of what Beckham used to bring on the right-hand side for United, more that type of impact than perhaps what Saka brings. Um, so, yeah, it, it's it's vital. This season, I think, is make or break for him, which you could say for quite a few players that we have, but I think certainly for him it is. He definitely needs to find some sort of home here. And I, I think we're all in agreement that left eight spot. He's, and and Arteta's clearly in agreement with that as well, because he's gone out and spent 65 million quid on someone to play there. So if I think if Vieira could have played there, I think Arteta wants Vieira to be good. So I think if he could have played there, I don't see him going out and buying Havertz. So maybe that does give him another area. Um, the other thing, Juz, was um, Kivior starting uh, left-back. I know it was the warm-up. I know there were some players being being like left on the bench and stuff. But I think that's a clear sign to me that Kivior is going to be ahead of Tierney in that position. I don't know if he's going to be ahead of Tomiyasu because Tomiyasu obviously wasn't in the squad. Um, we know he's not going to be ahead of Zinchenko. He's not ready to start yet. But I do think Kibior is moved, going to move ahead of, of Tierney. And I think that's quite interesting. So, uh, you know, again, I, I wasn't able to watch the game. And I know that's, you know, uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, I agree, uh, Gaff. I think uh, Kivior is ahead of Tierney. At, and I think just based on... Um, the strong footedness of the players in the squad that Arteta is going to value a left footer there over a right footer. I think, um, I think Tierney probably like for his career, he should probably move on. Cause I just don't see him getting much opportunity here. It looks like he has moved ahead of him. And especially with Timber, if he can do what Zinchenko does on the left, on the right, um, you know, I think we'll prefer more of a centralish back option. But I heard, uh, I mean, you, you'll have to correct me if I'm wrong, but I heard Kivior did like his best Sinchenko impression out there. So mm-hmm. he was very, very good. Kivior yeah, was, what I heard. was very, very good. I, I mean, I said to you before a couple of weeks ago that I would not be comfortable with him at left back. And, I'm, mm-hmm. and this doesn't really change my mind. But he was very, very good. And he was coming in midfield. I think what it told me as much as anything else is that is how Arteta wants that position to play. And that is not going to change. This idea that Timber might come in on the right and then all of a sudden it's going to be this resurgence for Kearney, Kieran Tierney at left-back because we're looking for someone to bomb up and down the line. That's not no. going to happen. Yeah. Arteta wants the left-back role played this way. I think if there's going to be a change, it's just going to be Timber coming straight in for White because he wants the right-back to play that way as well. I actually thought that we might see some of that with Ben White because I think Ben White is well capable of doing it. We didn't. Ben White carried on playing. By the way, Ben White was awesome. In I was going to say that. I heard he yeah. had a good I heard that. He was yeah. really, really good. And I think if, you, if you're if you looking at how someone should react to someone being brought in in their, yeah. in their position, what Ben White did in that first 45 minutes in what is a meaningless warm-up game, that's someone that don't want to lose his place. This is going to be one hell of a fight at, at right back. Yeah, I think so as well. And I think, um, I think like what people need to get out of their heads is like a first 11 and like a second 11. I think um, what we're doing is creating 
uh, circumstances where depending on who the opponent is or what the opponent is playing, we've got a whole different uh, arsenal <laughs> of players that we can, you know, deploy in different ways. And so I don't necessarily see it as like Ben White first choice, Timber second choice, or even vice versa. I think there's just going to be opportunity for either one, just depending on the, you know, who's at left back, who's at center back, you know, all those kinds of, even who's at center mid. Um, And I think what we're doing is we're giving ourselves like a very nice opportunity to be able to um, not be figured out and play a bunch of different ways how before you know if say like Zinchenko was out we were you know restricted and I think that's going to be important because like we said before Partey's probably Partey's probably going to go it looks like and we'll we'll get to that in the second half or the, the you know what we've heard over the last couple of days but I think one thing that party is definitely better than Declan Rice at is the ability to wriggle out of space and 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 move out with a ball. Rice is very powerful. He's not as tricky as Partey is. So I think there's going to be more onus, particularly on Zinchenko, but also on whoever the right back is to be able to to be able to really get out. So I think that presents us with a, another option right past the the ability to get out on either side may end up being really key for this team. Yeah, it may it may do. Um, I think um, I, I thought for me, um, party is an interesting one because I, I think I've I've always stuck by this kind of similar to what's going on with Ben White. But if he was to stay, I would hope there would be a resurgence from him because now Rice is with us and and he sees that 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 six role is not his anymore. And it and I feel over the last few years it's happened to him where there's he knew he was the only player that could play that role. So by that there was not saying that was the only reason, but there was a hint of complacency. There was this obsession that we'd have over when he would play when he would play internationally or if he's going to be injured for the next big game in three weeks or all of this. I think you you're going to perhaps see a player that would be more fresh. At the same time, hopefully will be galvanized by the fact that he has a quality, you know, the record signing um, actually in his position. However, if he was to move on, yeah, and also Timber as well, because Timber can actually, I mean, I, I saw a comments by Michael Reisiger that he's so versatile that they've even moved him in midfield on occasions. They've moved yeah. him at left back, they've moved him at right back, they've moved him at centre back. So you can see this is perfect for someone, for, for Arteta's plan for the future. It's it's definitely interesting. Another one that we saw that's been spoken about a little bit is when Fabio Vieira went off, Balogun came on, and it was Jesus that moved out to the right-hand side. Just this is something we've talked about a few times as a way to basically get more and more people into the team. I don't know that I really see Jesus moving out there much. Um, do you do you think it's do you think that's a plan or do you think that's just something that happened because Basically, Fabio Vieira went off and Smith Rowe wasn't in the squad. But but Nelson stayed on the left, interestingly. Uh, you know, Gav, I think this is a tough one. Um, I think ideally... Uh, or, man, I think ideally Arteta would like to be able to move Jesus out if that was an opportunity. Um, 
you know, because I mean, it, naturally, he's going to be the closest to to a Saka replacement. And I think at this point in time, we can all say Saka is probably the most important piece of the team, right? He's certainly certainly in there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, certainly I don't in see there. How you can replace him? But it, like, if we can't sign um, kind of a, a Saka backup, I could definitely see Jesus being that one. Um, I think there, there's too many question marks right now over the center forward position between Eddie and, and Balogun and, and whatnot. But I think um, I think that that's, that could definitely be an option if if one of those two prove themselves. Let's talk about Saka's goal for a minute. I assume everybody's seen the seen the goal. It was a typical Saka start. It was good work from Ben White, actually, and he played Saka in a back inside and unleashed it into that bottom corner. Pass. I want to see that thirty times this season. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, um, it, it's yeah, obviously, um, it's it's a little bit of a unfair comparison personality wise, but there's a lot of kind of when he shifts it on to his left foot does remind me of Robin a lot because um, he was brilliant at that, and and no matter how many times you knew he was going to do that, he'd yeah. still find a way to score and create problems. So there is that element of of Robin to him. I'm doing him a disservice personality wise though, because he's nothing like him. Um but <laughs> well, I heard I heard also... Robin got injured listening to you say that. <laughs> <laughs> um but uh he also is able to, you know, run down the line as well and create that confusion for defenders because there has been times when you've seen where he's shifted it onto the right foot. Um but that is his weapon, is when he cuts in gets it onto his left. We've seen it for England. We've seen it last season. I think we, we, we're going to see one hell of a season from him. It's only going to get better, but I think this season, wow. I think we've uh, unleashed a tiger there. I absolutely agree with you. And the way, the way he hit that just into the, into the bottom corner, you, you really can't stop that. I don't, I don't think there's any way that you can actually stop that. Right. He gets in the box. He's so quick with his feet that you can't dive in on him because if you dive in on him, you're going to end up giving a penalty away or just looking stupid. Yeah, I got to agree with pause. I see a little bit of, of, of Robin in him. Um, mm. That was kind of my first thought. And uh, I, you know, I mean, I love it. I love it that he's doing it, you know, more often, but you know, um, maybe he's not quite as good at cutting inside his Robin, but he's way more diverse in the sense that he, we know we, he can push it to his right and cross or, you, you know, I mean, it's a special player. It really is. And uh, yeah, you're not stopping that. Uh, you know, when he builds up ahead of steam and, and we already know he's normally double teamed most games and he's still finding that space and getting those, those goals. And I think he will be as good as Robin at it eventually. He's just got to get used to doing it. I mean, remember, this is a player that three years ago was playing left back. So yeah. he only moved in, into that right-hand side, what, two years ago? He, he wasn't playing there before. So he's still learning that position. And I think the way he's taken to it is, I mean, he, you know, he's one of the best, probably the best five players in the world. So of, of course he's going to start taking to wherever you put him. But I think this season it's going to be uh, it's going to be petrifying for teams watching that. Um, so I think the last thing to touch on with the game um, is Balogun because I thought he looked incredibly sharp and it was a complete uh, 
completely different to how Eddie looked in the first half because I don't want to pile in on Eddie. Eddie's been getting a lot of stick and I think a lot of it's unwarranted. Um, but that first half, he didn't he didn't set the world on fire. And I thought when Balogun come on, I know he had the two misses, the one that hit the post and the one that hit the side netting. But Paz, he looked sharp. And whenever you get a striker that's getting in those positions, eventually the ball is going in, right? I, I really like his his runs, you know. It, it's something that we maybe don't see so much from Jesus, but in a, in a different aspect we see with Jesus. But that typical Ian Wright-esque number nine, you know, running through the channels to um, to to get into the position he got into. Yes, he missed those chances. And and rightly so. I think if it was Eddie, would be, you know, quite a lot of people would be outraged by those missed chances. But I think it's it's like you said, it's the lead up to that, that we've not seen for a while from any of our strikers. Um, Eddie is not that type of striker either. He's a six-yard kind of uh, poacher type of striker. A kind of Gary Lineker kind of um, uh, mode to him, mold to him. But uh, Balogun reminds me of Wright in the way that he makes those runs. They, if you can see the pass like Skelly did, um, I think yeah, there, there's a lot to see from him. So I'm hoping over the next coming games, obviously the goal makes a difference, but we really do see a difference between what we have not seen over the last few seasons and what he brings. I hope so. And it was interesting, you mentioned Lewis Skelly there, so I guess there's one more thing that I want to touch on. Jazz, I'll bring you in on this. Um, Lewis Skelly and Wanieri, they look like grown men. Um, it's very different from when Patino came into the side a couple of years ago and played some League Cup games and stuff, and he looked like a kid playing men's football. These two are 15, 16 years old, and they look like men. They look like they're ready yeah. to step up already. Uh, is there an argument, Jazz, that if party does go with Jorginho still at the club and obviously Rice here now, is there an argument that you basically try and give one of these those League Cup minutes? And that that's a tough one. So for one, uh, let me just say the the Lewis Skelly pass to that to that Belligan chance was brilliant. I really like to see it. Um, I don't know though. They're they're very young. They're kids. Um, I think um, I'd be comfortable giving them, you know, Carabao Cup minutes, maybe early FA Cup rounds. I don't know if it's a situation where I would be comfortable subbing them into like a Prem game if there's an injury or something like that. Um, now, I, you know, obviously, and again, I, I didn't get to see this game live or anything, but um, it seems like it would be asking a lot and they still are in early stages of their development, despite how grown and mature they're playing. Uh, I think it might be a little too soon. If party goes, I think I'd prefer uh, signing a replacement still. It's interesting at their age as well. Do you loan them out or are they better off staying with us? Um, I, I think they can be loaned out in the UK at that age. They can't be loaned out to a to a side abroad for another two years. You have to be 18 to go to a foreign side. But I think maybe you could loan them out here. I think both of them could be loaned out to a League One side and not look out of place. So, Paz, is there, uh, is there an argument for doing that? 
There is, and I think going back to what you what you mentioned, I absolutely agree with Justin. I don't think they're ready to play as such on uh, in the Premier League. But what is interesting is they don't look out of place. Though that's the that's the interesting part. You see them there, and you don't. You know, you look at someone like Fabio Vieira, whose years, you know, what what six was it? Twenty two? Is he twenty two or twenty four? Fabio Vieira. I think he's twenty four. Well, anyway, there's he's a significant years ahead of them. And he looks a lot more out of place on the football field in the Premier League than they do. So I, I think that you could you could definitely loan them out to a lower division side. Not sure this season, um, but but I don't think they would look out of place. And I and I think whatever kind of that there's something that they've been told, especially when Yeri, that they've been told about what plans they have um, for their development that has um, convinced him to stay. Nguyenweri's a funny one because he looks exactly like Oxlade-Chamberlain when you look from a distance on a football pitch. The way he's built, the way he moves. Yeah. Do you remember Do you remember before we bought Ox, he played in central midfield for Southampton against Liverpool in an FA Cup game? Was it Man United? I think it was Liverpool, but I'm not sure. It was, it was Man United or Liverpool. And he bossed the midfield. And Nguyenweri looks exactly like that. He's just he's built that way, and he just looks like a man already, even though he's like sixteen years old. It's it's crazy, but I think you're both right. I don't think we loan them out next this year. I think it will probably be next year. I think they'll stick around, and they may get some Carabao Cup minutes. In fact, I expect they'll both get some Carabao. I Cup hope so. I hope yeah, so. And I think that's yeah, exciting because. You know, at some point, as good as we are, we're going to have to show these young players that they've got a path to the first team. And, mm. you know, this is this is the way that you do it. All right, well, that's enough on the game, lads. Let's um, come back in part two, and we've got some other stuff to talk about. I don't know if you heard, but we uh, we actually announced some we announced some players. So, what? Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Live and exclusive. Yeah, yeah, crazy. <laughs> All right, well, uh, we'll see you in the second half. All right. That's good. Hey guys, just a couple of quick halftime messages for you. Firstly, we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favorite podcast app. It really helps us reach a wider audience, particularly on Apple Podcasts. Secondly, we're on all the social media platforms as The NN Pod. We're really trying to build a strong Guna community. So next time you're on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, look us up, give us a like or a follow, send us a message, interact with other listeners, or, or just have a look around. Thanks for listening from myself, Paz and Jazz. We really appreciate it. Welcome back to the Non-Negotiables podcast. This is part two. So as I teased in part one and Arsenal have teased for the last seven months, um, we've actually announced a couple of signings. So they're not new players to us they're players that we've spoken about a million times over um now we've got to try and find more new things to say although i actually do think we've got some we've got some stuff for you so bear with us um so let's start with um the boy from ix Urian, durian gurian timber just tell me how to say it it's durian timber from the man himself yep okay so we, we're going with we're going with durian all yep. right so, Juz, let's start with this bit on uh, on this. The goodbye video from Ajax to Durian Timber. Man, what a little tearjerker that was. It really was. Yeah, and I'm, I mean, 
I'm I'm ecstatic to have this player, as I'm sure Paz is as well. Um, we we both watch a little Ajax and and have some of it in the family. Um, he's a great player. Um, he's he's an Arsenal fan, self admitted. Uh, saw himself at Arsenal five years ago. Uh, I couldn't be more excited to have this guy, and I think he's going to be massive for us. I'm excited about this one too, and I know I know you are as well, Paz. Did you uh, did you see um, Timber's uh, unveiling video as well? I thought the the Rice one was a little bit better. The Timber one, they just stole the Kai Havertz music. They could have done a bit better than that, couldn't they? <laughs> yeah, they 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 did, but um, but I think it was um, it, it, uh, putting that aside. I think uh, uh, there was a good article on the BBC about about his how much of um, how they feel that could be the signing for Arsenal. I know Declan Rice is the, the signature signing, but it could be one of the trans- transformative signings this season. They gave many reasons for that. And I was mentioning as well, because Michael Reisiger was his coach in the youth for Ajax. And um, he talked about how he is as a player and what um, what leadership skills he has as well. And mm-hmm. um, he has his brother as well that plays a fine ord. Um but there's a real quality with him, not just the way he plays, but also in his attitude. You kind of comes across in his uh, his interviews and the way he he speaks. And for um, for Ajax to do a farewell video for him, it kind of says a lot about what impact he had at Ajax. I think he was a very influential player for the the younger players, even though he's only 22, which is quite crazy. Um, but he, he was he was kind of one of these uh, for me. And, and I, I know Justin feels the same with this, but I always. It's a real compliment when you have an IX graduate in your team because yeah. there must be something that speaks out to that comes from a very from a footballing background from a, a historical IX historical club known for their youth academies and then for them to be stole by the Arsenal project I feel says a lot about what is being brought and it, it's not an Anthony type of signing I know I always chastise no, yeah. Anthony but. But they didn't do a farewell video for Anthony last year, did they? They didn't do anything. So in fact, he was pushing for that move and, and a move and made such a stink about it. Timber didn't do any of that. And I think um, you're seeing an, a, a, a really, really quality player plays multiple positions. It's going to be a tough one to keep him out of the team. So that says a lot about what we've signed here. And I think um, attitude as well. I think we've got a really, really good player with an exceptional attitude to the game. So... Looking forward to this one. I'm, I'm, I've been excited about this for a while because I knew Man United were after him last season, and I think it, we got we got kind of a stroke of good luck because Ajax were terrible last season. They didn't make the yep. Champions League. He obviously was part of a team that was terrible. Didn't have maybe the performance that he is used to performing, and we kind of got a price a lot better price than what Man United <laughs> were quoted last year. And I think we've got the better player than Martinez as well. So yeah. Timber was their first choice. Yes. Let's not forget right. that. Yeah. Timber was their first choice and they switched to Martinez afterwards. Yep. Well said. Yeah. Well said. Absolutely. So I think we've, we've got a real steal here. And just the, what Pascal said about him being such a, such a big, big part of Ajax for their youth academy, the video that they released, the word they used was an inspiration. And it was no accident that they had Ajax youth team players and young kids in the video talking about him leaving and how much he means means to them. 
that's pointed, right? This is this is a player that's clearly influential. He clearly cares, and he means a lot. Yeah, I was actually lucky enough to do an Ajax Stadium tour last month, and uh, mm-hmm. Jerry and Timber was one of the guys that was plastered almost everywhere. Um, you know, one of their own, but obviously, you know, a very influential player to the kids and, and a, um, a sign of, you know, w- what you could be, you know, when you, and, and this is the kind of club Ajax is too, though, you know, they, they bring through a kid that's really, 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 really good, raise them up and then sell them off for, you know, huge profit. That's kind of what Ajax is, um, and I think we're really benefiting from this low price, but, but to talk about, you know, Timber's character and, and what he was to the club, I think he was um, definitely uh, uh, like a statesman, you know, uh, he he's everywhere in the stadium right now. We've got links with Ajax as well. I mean, obviously there's Sir Dennis, that's the, that's the most famous one. Um, Mark Overmars played for both. Yep. Obviously Yaya Sonogo played for both. Yep. That's, that's really important. Um, and Paz will remember this. We almost had Johan Cruyff as manager at one point. Mm. It, it, it came very, very close. Um, so there are links there with Ajax that... Daniel Malin. Good links to have, was that? Daniel Malin. Daniel Malin, yeah. There's 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 quite a few players that have gone back and forward between the two. And I think there's there was that Prince dude as well, who I can never remember his uh, name. Okay. No, not Quincy, right? Quincy was it? Quincy? Quincy Prons? Quincy? No, no, Quincy Prons. He was. Um, was he Ajax? I think he was. You're right. Um, Quincy. It was. Um, he Quincy. Had, um, it, 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 it wasn't of, Quincy Prons. It wasn't the one who's just gone to jail. For no, he had a long. Oh, he, he was of. He was um, of Ghanaian origin. He had a really long Quincy. It was a really. Yeah, we just long knew him as Quincy. Name. We just knew him oh, as Quincy, and he, sorry, guys. he scored this phenomenal goal for the Dutch. Think it was the under 21 and and we had him in our ranks but well we moved him on it didn't didn't materialize but you're right Gab. we have had some we have got ties with Ajax and we've got a good relationship with them it seems and there's I mean there's worse clubs to have them relationships with and and you know I think we all every one of us says uh good wishes to Edwin van der Sar um obviously yeah terrible stuff last yeah, week that happened with him and the, yeah absolutely the brain hemorrhage so hopefully he's okay but at the same time, it's it's definitely a different prospect dealing with them now than it was last summer. With Edwin van der Sar there, everything was obviously always going to be geared towards Manchester United. And yeah, but also um, also Mark Overmars because Mark Overmars has left um, due to a scandal. Um, he, he's... <laughs> due to due to private reasons, literally private reasons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, he, um, but he was also excellent as their sporting director. He made a big, big impact for them. Um, they, they, I would be. I'm, I'm, Justin can speak for himself as well. But I've got my cousin is a massive Ajax fan. It must be so frustrating being an Ajax fan because you you reach you get close to the pinnacle and then the next season you sell everyone. <laughs> yes, yeah. I mean like, they've, they've won four European cups, so that's got to be some sort of yeah. consolation, right? Yeah, that's true. Plus, that, that that is, but they didn't even make it into the Champions League. They weren't even in um, uh, even in. It's unusual for them to not be in the top two in the Dutch league. So I don't, I don't think they. Justin, did they not make the top three, or was I, it the top? I believe they finished third. Yeah, behind PSV and Feyenoord. I think they finished. Feyenoord. 
was it was it third or fourth? I remember. Do you remember on the last day we were all looking for their results because we actually needed them to fall out, or we'd have moved into pot three. Yeah, oh, apparently they were second. No, they couldn't have been second. No, they were third. I think. I think they were third. I mean, I've got the Eredivisie table up. It's easy. Twenty twenty four, or was it fourth? It might have been fourth because RZ was in there as well. Jazzy's looking at it alphabetically, aren't you? Go on, own up. It's it's Sky Sports, and it's saying Ajax was. Well, that's your first. That's your first mistake. Yeah. Okay. All right. Fair. (laughs) I have that player, by the way. It's uh, Quincy Owuso Abaye. Yeah. Easy for you to say. (laughs) Anyways. Yeah. So anyway, you're trying to be the brain of the operation (laughs) here. Okay. (laughs) You don't want to be brainy around here. That ain't gonna matter. Yeah, they finished third. They finished third. Yeah. Yeah, I, they, just, I remember they, they drew on the last day and we, we couldn't have them jump. Was it PSV they were trying to did yeah. win the league? And we, we couldn't have them jump PSV or we'd have been, we'd right. been in top three. So I do remember that and they drew on a final day. But um, but yeah, like I said, there's, there are links between the two clubs that have been there for been there for a long, long time. Um, it's a good club to have links with. So yep. hopefully that hopefully that continues and we can we can keep on with this. So... The other announcement, um, I don't know how you guys feel about this, but I, I think this is our biggest signing, certainly since Sol Campbell. Um, and Sol was on a free, so you can argue that it's, that it's bigger than that. It's, Who's uh, that? What's that? Who's that? Oh, well, have you heard? Has, has it been <laughs> has they officially announced it yet? I don't think I've seen anything yet. Okay. <laughs> well, when you when you fire up Twitter, if you <laughs> look at Arsenal and just just scroll down a little every bit, every single past, post, if you look past <laughs> all the people asking when are we going to announce anybody, um, so Declan Rice sees officially <laughs> an Arsenal player after God knows how many months and back and forwards. I thought it was very funny um, how West Ham at the end were getting all antsy. They didn't seem that happy and that. Didn't seem to want to get a deal done that quickly three weeks ago, did they? And then all of a sudden, it had to be uh, had to be now, now, now. Um, mm-hmm. Pass? Did they uh, fuck around and find out? <laughs> it, yeah, that's 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 that. It, it was it was quite gratifying to see that because um, you know we had, they they really did uh, mess us around as well in the whole process. And yeah, I mean, we had every reason to just. Whatever I think we, it was, was it that we had it with our lawyers or something like that? Or there yeah, I mean, Rice was on holiday. There was there was nothing he was going to be doing until basically today when he met up with a team. Yesterday he did the media work. There was nothing he was going to be doing. So we just said, it's, All right, it, "Well, you can wait." It's crazy, isn't it? How much we know about the process, the the the. Tra- transfer process nowadays than what we used to know. I mean, we've got Fabrizio Romano repeating the same thing every two days. It's yep. still going on. The rice is 100% happening. But it's like everything that happens, the contracts are now with this club. Oh, they're reviewing this. Or they're re- we are never used to be that informed about it. It's crazy. Every minute we get an alert. We're waiting for this. It's Mate, pretty I'm surprised insane. West Ham didn't go on Facebook Live while the negotiations were happening. <laughs> Oh, oh, 100%. Can you imagine if Dick Law, because even when he oh, was there, it wasn't as nuts social media this time about uh, transfers. Can you imagine what we would be seeing now with him at the helm? <laughs> we'd be seeing be, every mistake. Well, maybe it'd be like the Joel Campbell one, but he'd be like following David Sullivan's son around pie and mash shops in the East End. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. But um, I'm glad it's finally 
finally out there and um we can we can move on and it's 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 a massive it's in everything value in profile we're getting a player basically who's come off a, a fantastic season for his club was after many clubs were after him anyone who thinks that's not the case even he came out and said that his dad was talking to Manchester United he was very uh, not only sold by Arteta, but our club in general. And he was going on about the training facilities at London Colney. Um, I think there's a, it's a really big scout for us as a club, but I think it also gives a massive boost um, to our profile, having him in there, because this is no small feat, this signing. None, it, it really is massive. Agreed. This is the future England captain that could have chosen any club that he wanted. Make no mistake, wherever he wanted mm. to go, was where he was going to go. Man City didn't refuse to match the bid because they couldn't afford to match the bid. They didn't match the bid because they didn't get the response they wanted out of Declan Rice. Mm. Manchester United didn't make the bid because, as Declan Rice said, they spoke to his dad. They knew they weren't getting Declan Rice. Chelsea mm. didn't make the bid because they knew they weren't getting Declan Rice. They wouldn't be fucking around with Caicedo if they thought they could. So, oh. Juz, this this signing is absolutely massive on so many levels. It's going to mean so much to us on the field. But off the field, does this move us into a different category now? Is this, like we said a few weeks ago, is this the final sign that what Gazidis sold us 20 years ago is actually coming true now? We can compete with the elite of Europe. Yeah, I think so. Um, like you said uh, so eloquently, he could have went anywhere. He could have went to mm. you know, Chelsea, United, City, um, but we got him. Uh, our manager, who must have just the the goldenest of tongues, uh, convinced him, and we've heard that so many times uh, that you know a player just gets in a room with Arteta and somehow he's just able to convince him of this project. And I I, I just love it, and I think we are uh, unequivocally back at this point. Um, I think it's obvious with the level of player that we're attracting, the the uh, the arbitrary squad values that have been put out recently. Um, I know that's you know, but I think this is a massive signing, and honestly, it's the only signing that makes me be okay with losing Granit Xhaka. Um, I know it would have been just as easy to move on to Moises Caicedo if we didn't get Rice, but. We needed this personality. We needed this character. We needed this experience. We needed this captain. Um, this is the only reason why I'm I'm more okay with letting go of Xhaka this this summer. And I I think this is probably the biggest signing we've done since. Yeah, I mean, yeah, maybe since Campbell. Did you did you see the article in um, the Athletic about um, about? Uh, the way that Edu and Arteta presented the whole project to him, they sat down with it. Was apparently it was a, a really, really sensational presentation. It, it just shows you what goes into this and how you woo a player. But it was you're not just sitting down talking to them. You actually yeah. they actually present. They sell. They sell the project. They sell how that player fits in. And according to David Ornstein, this was. He was fundamental to Arteta's plan. He was he was basically every every other signing was dependent on him signing. That's that's how important he was. And like you said, we could have pivoted to Caicedo, but as far as Arteta was concerned, there was no alternative. This yep. this had to be it. So it just shows you how 
how driven and how um how planned this whole thing was it's quite interesting to to you know when you read it and you you find out it's not it's pretty complex it's not a straightforward thing at all and i mean how many flowers does like arteta and edu deserve i mean we we've got a first time manager in his first job just like yanking world class yeah. talent after one you know uh, after after a talk you know i mean this it, mm. it's incredible stuff i mean he he's he's almost got arson level pulls it feels well i i don't want to get carried away but i mean he's doing great you know at pulling talent and, and this uh, was done months ago i mean we knew about this in, in mm. january and yep. obviously every club has been on the phone to him at least once a week since or to his dad or whoever and it hasn't changed his mind so yeah. this has been, he was at know, england camp yep. well and this is what they, the this is what they say right time kills deals mm. and yeah it didn't. This was six months, and his his mind mm. did not change. No matter what was thrown at him, it didn't change. And you're right; it's a first time manager, but it's also a first time sporting director at club level. Yeah, he exactly. was with the Brazilian national team for a while, but this is Edu's first real job like this as well. So between the pair of them, it's it's absolutely amazing work. And as you you said about how pivotal Rice was, and you know, I've been saying this all along. I don't think you could do what we're about to do without him because I don't think you can play Havertz as a left eight without him. I think that the plan is eventually to have Timber at right back and Zinchenko at left back and have them both coming in central midfield. I don't think you can do that without Rice because Rice has the ability to drop and make a three for Saliba and Gabriel to push wider. I just don't think you can do that without Rice, without that pace, that power, the fact that he plays every minute of every game. Mm. Yeah, no, I I, I agree, and um, I, it 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 is it is going back to you know Edu as well. I think Edu is someone that seems to have learned from previous mistakes, which which I find quite quite interesting because you know you can have a certain stubbornness about you, but I think we as a club, he seems to have got better at his job as progressive. He's also with the right person to work with. I don't know if Raul was... Uh, was he working with him? I don't even remember. I think he came towards the latter end. For like he? six Raul's. months, I think. Yeah. yeah. But him working with Arteta, there is a... It, it, it's, it reminds me slightly of... Uh, and I, I know you're kind of um, ambivalent on David Dean, Gav, but I know David and Dean and Wenger had a great working relationship in their early stages and the signings that they made, there is a certain element of that where they really work well as a team. Um, but I, I, I agree with you. I think Rice is now, it, it, he was, what he's going to bring is everything. It, it's the linchpin of everything that Arteta has planned and the system he wants to um, implement. With Edu, it's, it's like at first he put the burgers on the grill, right? And he didn't flip them quick enough. And he burnt one side of the burger. So what he did is he bought better patties. And you could leave them on a little bit longer without them charring. And he did that. Well, now he's gone up to bone-in ribeye steaks, Justin. I'm thinking Wagyu beef, actually. Oh, perfectly yeah. medium rare. Perfect you, char got, on the outside. Listen, yeah. he's Brazilian. You've got to say picanha. Picanha is oh. all you've got to say, man. Come okay, boss. Sorry, look, I'm no, I'm no South American expert, okay? Yeah. But I know I'm sure he's got, I didn't feel offended. <laughs> Yeah, he's, he's got brioche. He's got brioche buns sitting over there on the side. <laughs> yeah, he's 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 working with top class ingredients, and he's 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 got the top class equipment now, and he's he's really grilling everything perfectly. Just we saw the little video this morning they released on uh, on the Arsenal Twitter feed of 
Rice and Timber saying hello to everybody at London Colney in their meeting room. Even just through that, you could see Declan Rice's aura. It was no coincidence that he was the one that they went to first. And it was, do you want to? Did you want to say hello? The answer wasn't hello. The answer was, okay, I'll give a little speech. Uh, yeah, he does. He's got an aura about him. He's got a the, just a just a leadership quality about him. And I, I mean, I love to see it. I mean, he even looked massive. I saw him taking some pictures with, um, I, I guess, some of the club staff. I, I don't know. I saw him taking pictures with a a, a smaller lady. Um, I mean, he the guy looks massive though, in, in slides and socks when he's not, you know, on the pitch. Um, but yeah, there's definitely an aura about him. I think that is, um you know, pretty much the only thing that's going to fill that granite sized hole. Um, I'm, I'm super excited about this signing. I mean, Timber too, he, the way he carried himself was, was just so respectful and irreverent of the club. Uh, I, I think in, in these two signings, especially we, we, they just nailed it. Edu and Arteta again, they just nailed it. The physical size thing is, is interesting because Paz, you've got Ben White, who's six foot playing right back. Timber's five ten, but he looks bigger than that. And he plays right back. You've got Saliba's six foot four, Gabriel six foot three, Kivior six foot three. Zinchenko's the only kind of small member of that of that back line. Then you've got Rice who's six foot two, Havertz is six foot four. This is a big side that we've got now. And I think at times last year, we we looked a little small at times last year. Um we had obviously there was the asset piece defending fell off a little bit. Um, we spoke a few times about the way we the way we have like three man markers and then the spares. This should make a difference to that, Paz. It should do. And if you look at our um, in the early Wenger days, um, and you know going to the Invincibles, we were a big team. You know the Patrick Vieira's Burkamp put himself about. Um, you know, and obviously, you know, the early Wenger years was Adams and Bold, Campbell, of course, later on. We were a big, robust team. And I think that there's a certain there's a certain um, quality to that. And and I, I think, you know, one thing I, I always remember was a big criticism of us, whether rightly or wrongly, but towards the second half of Wenger's race, that we were all very nimble players, small, quite nimble um, maybe lacking a bit of aggression, a lack of intimidation. Um, and I feel now you look at this team and you look at those players, it's quite an intimidating bunch, you know, they're, they'll put themselves about. Um, I think that's really important. The edge that you want to bring to a, a championship winning team is not just about skill. We know that. It's not just about the goals and all of that. It's also how you can come on that field with confidence and intimidate your opponent. I feel that's what we look like now. We look a lot. It's a, it's, it, and I, Arteta likes his taller defenders, doesn't he? He's not really one to go, besides Zinchenko, obviously, but ones that are in the central, the middle of the park or in the central defence, he really likes their tall, robust, strong, but at the same time, skillful uh, players. So it seems like we've got the complete package going on there. And the intimidation factor, just that, that Paz just mentioned, I do think there's times when you stand in a tunnel and you look over to the team next to you and they're all a foot taller than you. Yeah. You're kind of, you before you go out on the pitch, you're already going, oh, fuck, we're up against it today. And I think that's, I think it's a bigger deal than people, people realise. It's intangible, obviously, but I do think it's a bigger deal. I think this Man City team are a big team and... Mm. 
people kind of overlook what a big team they are. Like Kevin De Bruyne's over six foot. You you don't think of him that way, but he is. He's a big guy. Obviously, Erling Haaland is just a fucking beast. Um, but now we're kind of our physical profile is now catching up, and it's something we lacked for years. Yeah, I think the the mental side of the game, uh, or the intimidation side of the game, like Paz said, is is uh, is often overlooked. But something to remember too is that we've got a group of big bastards now, but they're all very technically skilled. Every one of these big guys are are very good on the ball. Every one of them. Yeah. And um, I, I think that that's just going to, I mean, you know, you've got the mental side, you've got the technical side, you've got the physical side. I mean, we're, we're really kind of checking all the boxes now with these new signings that we're making. And I, I just, I don't think we're going to be, you know, soft little Arsenal anymore. I think you're going to see uh, 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 quite a different side coming out in this next season. Agreed. I think it's necessary and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing it. So I mean we've done the we've done the timber and rice stuff to death over the last few months. So let's let's move on to some other stuff now. We we had a bid confirmed for Rob Holding earlier in the week. Um it was two and a half million pounds. <laughs> that was deemed not or was it two and a half million euros? It might have been euros actually. Um wow. that was deemed not good enough. Um Paz, the interesting the interesting bit was that Ornstein said, um, Ornstein's actual words were something, and I am paraphrasing, but it, it was something along the lines of nowhere near Arsenal's valuation. Where do you think our valuation is on holding? Because I agree that two and a half mm. million is too low. I also agree, I also have said before that I think we're going to struggle to get much more than that for him, just because teams know that we're looking to sell, basically. Where do you think the club's valuation is going to sit? I'd say probably... Um... Maybe because if that is euros, it's even less than in pounds, isn't it? Um, so I, I would probably, I, I'd be thinking it's around 10 million pounds, 10 to 12 million pounds. I would think that's where they're valuing him at. Um, I, whether that's achievable, uh, I don't know. Um, but but I think that, that doesn't sound unrealistic for someone uh, like Rob Holding and, and what he could potentially bring for, to a team. Um, I don't think the salary is that high either. I, I don't know, to be honest, but I can't imagine it being that. Uh, for Besiktas to come in, they, it can't be that high. Um, so, um, yeah, I, that's where I think it is, in and around that ballpark. And it's not impossible for a Turkish club to get there. I agree with you about the, about the price, by the way. I, I would think that that is right around where we would uh, where we would where we would put him, but. I believe was it Fenerbahce just signed a centre back for right around ten million quid. So, Jazz, it's not impossible for it's not impossible for a Turkish club to get there. No, absolutely not. Um, it is a lot of money for them, and I I I understand that. You know, I I uh, I respect it. Um, I'm actually surprised there's not a couple more uh, Premier League clubs in in for Rob. But I guess when I look at the standing of the league right now, they're almost all, you know, playing out from the back, being very technical. Um, it's not the Premier League we know from, you know, six, seven, eight years ago. Everybody is is a pretty technical team now. Um, I think 2.5 million euros is, is pretty insulting for Rob. Um, you know, he's just coming into his prime. He's got that, you know, magnificent full head of hair. And uh, yeah, 
I don't blame the club for turning that down. I think I think Paz is about right. 10, 10, 12 million is what we should expect from him. And hopefully this kick starts that off. Like a lot of times what you need is a bid, right? To yeah. kind of just start it. Obviously a bit like eBay, right? Back in the day, you used to put something on eBay and you'd phone your mate and you'd say, hey, just, just put a bid in for me. Just stick a bid in at three quid just, just to mm. get it started. And I think this this kind of smells a little bit like that. We're just, you know, we're trying to smoke out other clubs as much as anything else. So hopefully we'll see some movement there soon. I think also, as, as Justin's mentioned previous to this, is that um, he's. I don't think he's number one priority. If there are Premier League play, uh, teams that might be interested in him, it's not going to be now. I don't think yeah. he's going to be the number one. Oh, I'm targeting Rob Holding. That's our number one target. So it's more likely coming towards the end of the window. Yeah. And if not, it's teams like Besiktas that would yeah. probably um, be in for him earlier on. And I think someone like Tavares is going to be that same way. They're going to be yeah. like they're going to be on a lot they of clubs Tierney lists. as well. Yeah, Tierney too, probably. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they're going to be on a lot of clubs lists, but they're going to be three or four down, and they're yeah. going to wait for their yeah priority targets. Yep. Well, the other one that we had some news of, um, and it, it's coming from a mixture of different sources. This, so I mean, take everything here with a with a massive pinch of salt. <laughs> but one thing that came out yesterday was that Partey is softening his stance on Saudi Arabia. He wasn't interested. He wanted to go to Juventus. Juventus are obviously never going to pay the money. We're not going to... I don't think we're going to be selling him for 15 million quid. I I just don't see the point in that. Mm. Um, If you're looking at players going to Saudi, if you're looking at 40 million for Fabinho, all of a sudden you're starting to hope you might be able to get upwards of 50 for party out of Saudi Arabia. Um, I am hearing that his stance has softened on going there. And I do think this is one that may happen. I'm not saying it's going to, but I think it might happen. Paz, do you think this is one that that could get over the line? It is possible. It is possible. It it will be dependent on what conversations he has with Arteta, I think, how pre-season goes. Um, I'm not ruling that one out. I'm not ruling that one out, but I, I think my stance is going to be the same as it's always been. If we're going to sell him, it has to be at a decent price, um, especially with Saudi Arabia. Um, I, I would not want them to... Uh, ideally, I would think not selling it less than 40 um, for him. But uh, I, I could still see it happening, and it could be later on in the window as well. Um, uh, Jazz, if we sell him, we probably need to replace him in a squad, right? I don't think we can just sell him and and just move on, which brings back a target that we know he's a target for us, who's a target for probably everyone if he becomes available, and that's Chumani. Um, If we could sell Partey for around that 40 million mark and then you've got Tierney likely to go, Holding likely to go, if you could end up bringing some decent money in and get Chumani in for kind of around that, that's something we're all going to take. Yeah, I think absolutely. And, you know, we have a history with with bringing over these blockbuster deals from Real Madrid that nobody else expects. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so, yeah, I could definitely see something like that. I mean, it, don't get me wrong. It would still surprise me, I guess. But um, it's something I have my eye on. And I think, uh, you know, Madrid is going to need to drum up funds uh, with this uh, crazy Mbappe chase they're making. Um, You never know, you know. And then, you know, we still have eyes on Lavia, I think. Um, But Liverpool is getting kind of raided from Saudi Arabia right now as well with Henderson and Fabinho uh, both 
targets mm-hmm. of bids. So that'll be one to watch because I imagine if they lose both of those, they're going to clutch Lavia with two hands. Um, the thing with too many is I think you're talking 80 million plus. So we're breaking records again, really, aren't we? Not not the extent of Declan Rice, but we're breaking it in terms of, you know, historical transfers. Yeah. I, I, he, I just can't imagine him being wanting to be competition for Rice. And then we've just got Harvard. So I'm not, I, listen, I, I'm all for like for like replacements, but I, I, too many, I, I could imagine, I don't think it's possible, but I could see more, it being more feasible alone with him, like what they did with Danny Sabayas. If he's surplus to requirements at Real Madrid, they might be open to a loan and then next season, because then we could see how that progresses, but he is quality. So I'm not sure if they would be open to that. Depass, I see it the other way around. I don't think they'll be open to a loan at all. I think the only reason mm. he would be available is if they wanted cash. Yeah, so I, yeah, I, I don't I'm, think they would be open to a loan. I also right. don't think we'd do a loan for a player of the, of that age um, because mm. he he wouldn't come in. When Odegaard came in, Odegaard came in and was almost a star of our team immediately. That wouldn't be the case with Chumani. So I don't think a loan would really work there. It is... I don't. How do you convince him though? Because you know, because with these players, they're at a profile where you've got to convince them. In some respect, they're going to get a lot of football. So, how do you convince them? But yet, knowing that there's a chance they could be on the bench. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? And this is where mm. again everything changes. Because if you get Trumani, I think he's well capable of playing that eight role. Um, mm. I'll be quite honest with you. Better than Havertz can. If you're looking yeah. as like the eight role used to be, now it may well be that we adapt that role and Havertz is better suited to it than Jumani is. I don't know, but I, mm. I think that is a role that that really seems absolutely suited for someone like him. But I don't know. I think that's a deal that if we got the chance to do it, we would a hundred percent do it. I don't know whether Real Madrid would be interested in doing it, and I don't know whether Jumani himself, like you said, would be interested in coming in and battling for a place. You know, he could look at it, well, I might as well battle for a place here. But we do have that history of Real Madrid. We have players who, and let's be honest, none of these players are desperate to leave Real Madrid. Like, Odegaard didn't leave Real Madrid because he hates Real Madrid. He left Real Madrid because he had, basically, he was was not going to get a game there. Whereas for us, he can be a superstar. And we've been... Worked out great. Exactly. But this is Madrid. Madrid throw away superb world-class players in favour of the shiny new toy. And that's what this would be. I Mm. don't know if they'd be a bit more wary after what happened with Erdegaard for us, because I'm telling you right now, I bet Real Madrid would love to have him back now. But he was... Go on, Justin. I was just going to say, they tossed away Robin and Snyder like they were nothing. And yeah. Yeah, it's what they do to get the next Mm. next big thing. And, you know, we're talking about late in the window. That's how Erdegaard happened. That's how Ozil happened. So yep. it wouldn't surprise me if this was something that in the last couple of days of the transfer window really caught fire. Again, I'm not saying it's going to happen. I would say it's probably probably less than a 20% chance. But I think there is a chance. There is, there's rarely smoke about fire unless it's Wilf Zaha. Um, and then it's just because he had an excellent agent who he's now fired. Um, ungrateful bastard. But it's, um, yeah, it's there, there could be something here. And I think that one would be that one would be something that we'd all be incredibly excited about if it if oh, it happened. 100%, yeah. 
Uh, absolutely. I loved him in the World Cup. I thought he was excellent, especially that England game. He was outstanding in that. Well, that's, that's what leads me to say that I think he could be the eight because that was a dynamic all-round performance yeah. right, that night. Yeah, 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 it was. It was. It would make sense. It would make sense. I mean, him and Rice in the midfield, wow. Yeah, that's, yeah, it'd be uh, crazy. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, thanks very much for uh, for coming on tonight and we'll be we'll be back again at the start of next week and we'll... We'll look forward to the US tour. We were going to do some stuff on that today, but we really didn't have time. Once Timber and Rice was announced, that kind of took up took up pretty much what would have been the preview for the US tour. So we'll get to that on on Monday, um, and we'll talk about some of the events for those of you listening on the uh, on the east coast of the US. We're all over the US, really. We'll we'll talk about some of the events that are going on as well, uh, in case you guys can get out to some of them. So thank you very much, guys, and um, we will see you later. And thank you for listening, everybody. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye.